everybody, and welcome back for the next installment of the Rocky Mountain Myrex Short Takes on Suicide Prevention podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hoffberg, and joining me today, we have special guest, Tara Reinders. Tara is, wears many hats. Tara is a choreographer, a video and dance artist, and she's also a registered nurse specializing in resiliency, wellness, and grief recovery. So I'm really excited to have Tara on today to talk about a little bit of bridging the world between art and healthcare and lots of things in between. So welcome, Tara. Thank you, Adam. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you and excited to really learn about your work. And I guess it's good to start with some background on you and your inspiration and also sort of how you, you arrived in, you know, and how you climbed through this journey of being both an artist and a healthcare provider and talk us through that. Yeah, so I've been a nurse for the last 13 years. I've worked in the emergency room, worked in the ICU, done pediatrics, float pool. And my latest, before I becoming a nurse specialist, I worked in the infusion center at Rose Medical Center. And so currently I'm a nurse specialist focusing on resiliency and wellness for our staff here. And I've always been a dancer since a young child and have pursued that my whole life alongside healthcare and received my master's in dance from CU Boulder. It was a master's in dance and somatic practices. And I've been able to recently in the last few years, be able to combine the two together. And like you said, bridging that gap and bringing the arts into places that it doesn't normally exist in. So I'll just jump right in some of my background. I, I've had a lot of experience as a, a, a patient's family members and a lot of loss and a lot of experience in the hospital as a family member. However, a couple of years ago, I was a patient for the first time myself and um, I had an ectopic pregnancy that burst and I had to have emergency surgery. And that experience was really traumatic for me from the beginning all the way through the end. And yet at the same time, I was wearing a lot, my nurse's hat, watching things unravel and things play out and taking it all in and had some really incredible experiences and also some really tough ones. And I remember when I, 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 call, I pushed the call light for my nurse because I started fainting and I knew some, I knew I was bleeding out and I needed to go to surgery. And I was on the floor back in the corner, some corner room on telemetry, I think as an overflow patient. I remember pushing the button and nobody would come. And they finally said, what do you need? I was like, I need my nurse. I need to go to surgery. And then after that, my nurse came in and I passed out and she called a code yellow, which is the code you call before a code blue when your heart stops. And everyone came running into my room. And, and even though I was passed out, I could still hear everything that was happening. And I was really scared. And I remember my nurse in the middle of all of it took my hand and she said, I'm here and you're gonna be okay. And I just remember thanking her because I was so scared and I couldn't speak and I couldn't advocate for myself. And I knew that's what she was doing for me. So that experience was very traumatic, but it really reminded me of the importance of nursing and the importance of what we do. And I was so grateful for her and so grateful to be a nurse and reinvigorated and re-impassioned for the work that I do as a nurse. So I began researching outcomes. I wanted every patient to feel seen in that same way that I felt seen and what are the barriers. And it really led me to compassion, fatigue and burnout. And as a dancer and an artist, I've always used the arts as a means to help others see things or help explain issues that we're facing through an artistic means because the arts help you feel. 
And so I thought, you know, let's use the arts, let's bring the arts into the hospital and let's create a performance that shows this because really the barriers are compassion, fatigue and burnout. And I don't think at that time, this is 2017 when I started developing this, there was a lot of stigma around that. Nurses not wanting to admit they're experiencing that. Nurses not even knowing really not having the words for it yet, but knowing they just didn't feel good and that they were tired and exhausted. And also raising awareness publicly to our healthcare executives as well as the general public about this you know, really epidemic that we're facing as in healthcare and not just for nurses, but all healthcare providers. So we created a performance called First Do No Harm and I worked with local artists. I looked, worked with a local scriptwriter, Edith Weiss, I brought in other co-directors, one from New York City that I had worked on who did immersive theater. And I performed in an immersive theater performance called Sweet and Lucky that happened at the Denver Center for Performing Arts. And another co-director from Lebanon um, who had worked together in the past. And immersive theater is so powerful because it brings you into the story. So it's not just sitting and watching this uh, performance on stage, but we created the hospital as our stage. And we walked people through the halls of the hospital and we spoke to the, to the guests, to the audience members. We brought them into situations. They had one-on-one -on -one experience with artists um, where they, the performance couldn't exist without them. So that's the difference between just regular um, performance and, and an immersive theater performance. You can actually hear, taste, smell, and be a part of it in some way. And that was really important because they really got to see from the nurse's perspective. So the script was really written from the patient's family perspective and the nursing perspective, which is a perspective that you don't hear very often. And my goal was that I wanted nurses to feel heard and seen and cared for. And that's really the goal of the clinic. Yeah, and so, that, so we created that performance at, at Rose. Wonderful. That, that's a wonderful introduction. And, you know, first, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing that very personal story and you know I'm uh, really uh, glad that you covered and and that you, this inspired you to, to take to take on such very deep and hard work honestly it's a big it's a big shift to steer you know burnout compassion fatigue within the healthcare professionals and so it's it's just fascinating to me how you incorporated art and as you said like brought art into places that it doesn't normally go and yeah I had the privilege of be able to go see the first do no harm performance at Rose Medical Center. And yeah, I, I think you, you mentioned it, but I, I just wanted to emphasize how, how it felt so immersive. I mean, we were physically in a real hospital. We were seeing uh, interactions and patient triaging and things as if we were really seeing somebody coming into the emergency room and, and how the nurses responded and the, the healthcare team came together to stabilize and then, you know, moving into different stages and, and different locations within the hospital throughout that process. So it's a really fascinating and powerful way to express this. The movement, I, I don't know, I, I guess I was curious if you could talk us through how you go about developing a work such as that and, and specifically how you work both with your personal experience and with others in the field to come from, you know, a very informed perspective, not just kind of inserting your agenda into this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So we did a lot of research beforehand. And like I said, I started with research around compassion, fatigue and burnout. Once I was funneled to that direction, realizing that's the barrier between really our patient outcomes, having good patient outcomes 
and patient experience was is really tied directly from the research that I read to to the nursing care. And so I wanted I as a nurse, I felt like I could tell this story. And I've been a nurse at that time for 10 plus years. And I, I could draw on my experience and my and started taking a look at my own personal burnout and experiences that I had when I wasn't as compassionate as I should have been and was able to draw on my personal experience. And there's there's a scene that there's this one really long hallway and not everybody got to see this um, scene, but where I start from the very end and, I, and, and it's recorded, but it's my voiceover of, of all the patients that I had to take care of that day. And really some of, some of those patients, there were real patients I took care of. It was, even, it was a story also of my mother who passed away from cancer was inserted in there. So it was all of these ideas that our patient's grief is also our grief. And as much as we think that it's not, it's vicarious, but it also becomes, we relate to our patients in different ways. And, and so they become our grief stories. And so I, I slowly start from the back and then I start moving and I do these movements and they get faster and faster. And then I just start running and you hear nurse, nurse. And just to, to show this idea of the nurse running from here to there and watching it all play out and her getting exhausted, exhausted, but still standing up because these people need her. But yet at the same time, she, and in this instance, it was a she, it was me, losing, losing her ground, basically, and still trying to work out of that place of exhaustion for her patients. So I was able to use my personal experience as well as bring in people who, like I said, I, I've done immersive theater in the past. My, my first project ever was called You and Me, and it actually took place in my home. So I've always been interested in utilizing, non, or utilizing site-specific locations outside of the theater for performance. And that was a, where I brought in artists and they created one-on-one -on -one performances for one person at a time. So 30 people would show up, they would get these appointment cards, which to me was a, very related to healthcare and my work as a, a, a nursing supervisor in the emergency room where they go into these different rooms and the nurse or the artist comes in and they have this experience and then they leave, they go to a different room. Um, so I've, immersive theater is some, has been my language from the get-go because I love intimacy creating intimacy and creating vulnerability are very important for me in this work. And using the hospital, like you said, Adam, was really one of the best ways to convey and show what it really feels like to be a nurse in um, the work that we do. And we couldn't, it was the best way to make it as real as possible. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That, that sense of intimacy and vulnerability, I think, I'm glad you emphasized that because I think something about in the work, you all being so vulnerable allows the audience, both because they're immersed in it and, you know, th that immersive gives you the freedom, I think, also to be vulnerable. And, and I felt, I felt it, like you said, you're feeling it. You're not intellectually or academically talking about what is burnout or compassion fatigue. You're feeling the fact that these are human beings that we're working with, that we're caring for, that, that that unfortunately sometimes, you know, complications, even losing patients. And so just, just allowing that space, I think in and of itself is, is healing, but obviously it's even more than that. It's, it's expressing something that's sometimes behind the surface that the average person may not even really take that perspective. And I, I just, I admire that. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, what, you know, also about the first Do No Harm performance, one of the questions 
that was in the back of my mind, since I also work in a, in a healthcare, a large hospital, was just the logistics of navigating that while maintaining the clinical care within the facility. And I'm just kind of curious if you had any, any thoughts about that. It's a little bit of a tangent, but how did you get that performance into Rose, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, it seems to be the hot question, everybody, especially now imagining it during COVID, as we know, that would, it would never happen. And Right, right. And this was pre-COVID. I'm glad you're mentioning that. Yeah, yeah pre-COVID. But even pre-COVID, everyone was like, how did you, how did that happen? And I, I think, you know, I had an incredible, he, he's, our CEO is at a different hospital now at Swedish, but our, our CEO was incredible, Ryan Tobin. And he really supported the idea. And our, our chief nursing officer at the time, Lynn Wagner, really supported it. And I just, I remember it happened in baby steps. So I, I first, after my experience as a patient, asked if I could present to the nursing leaders because I felt like this was really important information I had gathered of what it was like to be a patient and that empathy. And I thought there were some, you know, some pearls of wisdom that I could pass on from that experience and, and doing it through the arts perspective. So I, I pr first spoke to our nursing leaders and used the arts to do that. We did some like blind contour drawings of each other. We did some hands-on. We did like slow motion walking to, to, to see what it felt like, what two minutes of slow motion walking was like to demonstrate what it's like when a patient asks for pain medicine and then they wait two minutes to get it. And then we all know people wait way more than two minutes for pain medicine, but just some of these movement and arts together to show the nurses to help them understand better some of these ideas. And so I first did that. And then I just knew in my whole being that I had to do something even more, that there needed to be a performance. And so I brought the idea up to the nursing or chief, to Lynn, our chief nursing officer at the time. And she's like, let's do it. And I think that she said that because I had a long relationship with Rose. I've been, I've been there now over 13 years and, and have continued to build that relationship with her, with everyone. I know a ton of people in my hospital. So for me, it always comes back to relationships, who you're caring for, and then them knowing my heart and desire was to care for our nurses. And so really there is trust already in place there. And even though I didn't know Ryan at, that well at the time, he really trusted Lynn and trusted, and he was, a, we all know that healthcare needs to be revamped. It needs to be, in my mind, completely shifted. And we have to think of new innovative ways to do this. So he was very open to that idea. And like I said, I had a network already in place. So I was um, already knew a lot of security who worked there. I know environmental services. I, I have all these people already in place and then was just able to ask them to join us as well as my relationships within the community with artists and my relationship with Leah Bonfilio, who is in New York City and works for Third Rail Projects, an immersive theater company, and my friend um, Jad Tank, who did a lot of You and Me, and he these two helped co-direct the show. So it was really just drawing on my people to make this happen. And, and I think the biggest thing that nurses said that for me it was so successful, we, we can look at that it sold out every night, we added multiple shows, which was incredible. But for me it was most successful because the nurses said, thank you for telling my story. Thank you for putting words to something that I didn't have words for yet, for showing the emotion that I go through that I don't tell anybody about, that I don't even really know I'm experiencing sometimes. Thank you for helping me feel. I think that was the goal, was for nurses to feel seen and heard and cared for. And sometimes you have to watch your life played out for you in a certain way for you to understand and relate to it. And so that was part of the goal. So I feel grateful that our healthcare community saw that.
Yeah, yeah, thank you. An incredible feat. I think anybody who works in a healthcare system can can see that putting something like that together uh, is just yeah, a really impressive and you know, you mentioned just going back to your point about how you were doing a 2-minute exercise to imagine what it would be like for a patient that's waiting for their meds and and I just it took me back to some different scenes from the first do no harm where the pacing really you really captured the pacing. So, you know, whether it was the rhythm of the heartbeat as you're triaging and doing the sort of, uh, it just, I guess hospitals or just healthcare in general has that sense that, you know, some things happen very quickly and then there may be really long, quiet and, and more, more contemplative sort of introverted time uh, when the patient's on their own and then flurry of activity and yeah, it kind of gave me a little bit of chills on my arm thinking back to that to that performance. And is there are there recorded versions for audience that may be curious to kind of gain some insight into that experience? Yeah, I, I do have like a two to three minute kind of capture a montage of the experience that I can share as well as the hopes ultimately to have a larger documentary with all this work that we're doing around comp- compassion fatigue and burnout, especially around COVID as well, and be able to offer that at some point. But I'll share that what we do have, what we currently have with you, absolutely. Great, that, that would be wonderful. And we'll, we'll include that with the, with the podcast notes. So listeners, you can really see this for yourself because I think as we, as we sometimes say, you know, words don't always do it justice. And I think that's really the amazing power of this art is, like you mentioned, you are putting some words to people's experiences, but it's more than just the words. It's the, the physicality of it, like you said, of the running and the darting back and forth between different rooms and just seeing how hard our nurses and our healthcare staff are working to, to help our patients and acknowledging that. And you know, I think that's some, a little bit of a natural transition to maybe talk a little bit more about COVID and how your work has taken on some new projects and how obviously the landscape of healthcare has changed uh, immensely since COVID. And yeah, maybe we could start with how you're doing as a nurse right now, just maybe at that level. And then we can talk a little bit more about some of the work that you're doing right now. Yeah, I think, I think I'm feeling really sad about where we're at and what we've, especially the last few months, have had to go through as nurses. And I think I feel confused sometimes when we're in the midst of this and, and yet at the same time we're being called heroes and um, angels and, and I understand the sentiment and I'm very grateful, but it also feels confusing to me because we, yeah, so I, I feel confused about that. And, and I think something that I'm working on is being able to better express what it is that we do as nurses in the nursing profession, because I think a lot of times hero and, and angel are words that are being used because we don't have the language yet to talk about how to support our nurses and how to thank them. And so that's the language we fall on because that's what we've been taught. And I, I, I get that. And I know, again, the intention is so incredible and I appreciate that. But I want to give a new language um, around what we do. So, I, yeah, I, I feel sad and um, confused. And I also think more than ever, I feel um, passionate about this work 
and with the desire to push forward in caring for nurses because my the nurses now have become my patients they're they're who i want to care for they're they're their voices i want to advocate for and bring to the forefronts at all these issues because it should be nurses who are who are heard especially when we're making decisions about ppe and other things it's their voices we need more than ever and we need to care for them and and it's been my belief for a long time that nurses aren't being cared for in the way they should be so thank you for asking absolutely yeah and, and again i think as we talked about the reality is things are very complex and that truth is important to voice i i watched a recent production that you all did with the covid story and and I think I felt some of that pain, I, or I know I felt it. I was really emotionally feeling it after and during viewing it. And I wonder if you could talk us through a little bit of how you're producing art in, in this new era and how you use sort of the last few months as inspiration to put together this, this piece. Yeah, so COVID stories came out of a desire of mine to, to bring nurses together, but also to share our stories. A lot of times, my understanding and research around resiliency is the more you can support someone in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of this pandemic, the more resilient they can be. It's not something that happens afterwards, which is usually our reaction. It's a reactionary response. So what can we do right now in the moment to support and care? And I've always, you know, my, my baseline is movement. My language is movement and dance and, and the arts. And so that felt the most natural and storytelling brings us together. I, I did a workshop shortly after First Do No Harm, did a workshop for nurses that used play and movement and the arts as, as a baseline for that, where nurses came and we played and we explored these different characters. And, but really, we were talking about really deep and tough conversations, but through play. So it really took away the fear. And I think that's what vulnerability is, is taking away the fear and, and creating safety for nurses to share um, their feelings around what's happening and to tell their stories. So, so I gathered some of the nurses from the workshops and opened it up to other nurses to tell their story. And so it was called COVID Stories, and it started on Zoom. And I gave them this prompt that my professor, Onye Ozuzu from C Boulder gave me at one point. I remember when, and then we tell our story, and then after that, I continue telling the story. And nurses were really able to share. And a lot of times we don't know what our stories are. We don't process them. And so this gives them a moment to actually sit down in the midst of COVID to process what they were experiencing. So they wrote their stories and then we shared the stories and something out of the workshops that was so powerful was this idea of collective care alongside self-care. So nurses caring for each other. And when we, we did this style of COVID stories, we did it with grief stories in the workshops. And so that's kind of also what led me to this and where nurses shared their grief that they had experienced with patients. And I found it powerful because nurses said, you know, we can go to therapists and we can tell our spouses and our parents about what we're experiencing, but really nurses truly understand because they're there, they get it. And so that healing aspect that we haven't necessarily um, fully tapped into as nurses, as healers for one another. So that was the hope was to create this container of healing of nurses caring for each other during COVID. So they wrote out their stories and we all shared our stories with each other and could absolutely relate 
to the anger and sadness and frustration that we were, were experiencing. And then we circled words that stood out to us and created gestures um, or movements to those words. And very simple, because again, I'm a dancer and a, and a movement person, but not everybody is, so it's very simple movements. And sometimes people can't even think of the movements, but if you could see me right now, I talk with my hands. And so getting nurses to talk, and usually they move the hands and they start making these gestures just naturally, because it's in our body, it's in our nature to move our words through our body. And so helping them find and capture those, mo those movements. And this was all through Zoom. And then we met in, in Capitol Hill in this one alley. And this was really also initiated by Drummond West, who is the videographer that I work with. He's one of my best artistic partners. And he said, you know, I really want to do something around the howling because where he lives, the howling is just so strong. And this howling that we do in Denver is for healthcare providers and front frontline workers. And every night at eight o'clock, I'm sure you all have experienced it, is the, this howling. And it's to show like, we see you, we, we appreciate you, we, we care for you. And it's through these howls. And so he brought up that idea, I want to capture something. And then from there, we um, brought in this idea of our COVID story. So we, we met in this alley and, and we just walked down the alley like at 10 till eight doing these movements together. And we all learned each other's movements. So we had the same language, which is also a big theme is that my story is also my the other nurses' stories. We all share, we take on each other's stories just like we take on each other's grief of, of our patients and each other, the nursing grief as well. And that what's powerful in the healing is that we stand by each other in this, in our grief together. So that was the symbol of being there for one another during this time of us doing all of each other's movements. So we walked down the alley and then at the very end, the howling started and we just stood there and we all had different reactions to it, which was pretty interesting. We're, at one point we all just were standing and taking it in and feeling the love and the care. And yet also there was a part of me that just needed to howl and get out the grief and the frustration and the anger of like, yes, we're howling, but I don't think this is enough. <laughs> I think we need to do more. And so I appreciate the howling just as I appreciate the sentiment of being heroes, but it's not enough to change things. And so there's a, a moment that's captured in the video where I'm just howling from the depths of my soul in hopes to feel heard and in hopes for other nurses to also feel heard in this pain and to to also the, the pain of our family members who can't be with their their loved ones who are dying and the pain of mothers delivering without necessarily letting the fathers in or their partners in with them there's just there's so much pain and grief right now and so the howl was mine but also the collective howl and i think that's what we're howling for and i don't want to lose sight of that so it felt really important to capture that, capture this time. And that's what artists do is they tell the stories of the culture and what we're experiencing so that we feel it and we remember it. Mm. Well, kudos, kudos. And, and also, I think we keep returning this, this sense of vulnerability. It's like, thank you for allowing that self, that part of you to be captured in that vulnerable place because it, it did it did send the message i i felt that i felt the the soul the depth of that howl and you know i when i hear that howl actually since watching that video i don't hear the howl the same when we hear it at night and also like 
I don't know, but it takes on this, for me, this almost this image of like a, an injured wolf mm-hmm. or, or an animal that's really hurting. I mean, and, and that's that collective pain, the individual pain, but that's, you know, amplified at a level where we're all sharing in it as well. But then, you know, somewhere in that howl, in that remarkable amount of pain, I, I hear strength too. Mm-hmm. And I hear, I hear that resiliency. And I, I, of course, I'm not sugarcoating how tough of a time that we're in right now and how much that pain just needs to be heard. It shouldn't be whitewashed or, or we wouldn't, shouldn't try to move through the pain too quickly. I mean, we need to feel that. But at the same time, that community, that sense that we are in this together, somehow echoed through the howl and and gave some strength back even within all of that uh, grief all of that to say it was and is a beautiful video the the dance is so soulful and you all are wearing your uniforms still you know and you really feel you feel the health i, I think nurses are being heard and and i and i i would i would submit that that extends to other healthcare professionals as well you know that you're coming from a perspective of a nurse but we can see that this is bigger than just nurses as well this is our whole healthcare system yeah i i i agree and i think something you touched on adam is that the strength is our vulnerability the strength is telling the truth about how we feel and i think as a society we grow up thinking to be strong is to not say what we feel and as a grief recovery especially it's something that I've learned and that I pass on to those that I work with is that you know to be strong is to feel sad is to tell the truth about what you're feeling no matter who can hold it for you or whatever that doesn't matter the most important is to tell your truth and your and to tell your emotions and and it does cross boundaries from nurses to doctors because it's it's a universal sadness is the universal truth we all know what sadness is and i had a doctor say you know, she'd been keeping it together pretty well until she saw that. And she's like, yeah, that again, showed me the grief that I was feeling. And I just wept and wept. And, and that's what the arts do, is they, they allow you to feel in a way that you can't feel intellectually. It, you embody it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I have to admit, you know, I, I was feeling very vulnerable, but of course I was sort of on the viewer side watching a video. So nobody saw me crying in my living room, but I felt it. And, and I think, again, I just admire that courage that, that you all through many of these works have just put that vulnerability out there for others to see and, and feel themselves. So yeah, I'm just so glad that, that you could share this work and, and be on here today to, to, just capture even a smidgen. Hopefully it gets people interested enough to then go actually, you know, watch it themselves because sometimes words don't do justice like we talked about. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tara, as we uh, start to wind down here, I kind of just wanted to talk a little bit about what you've learned throughout these, these, these immersive works, where you're going to go from here and and just how do we, you know, continue to move this needle to raise awareness and prevent and, and help 
work with providers around compassion fatigue, burnout, and again, in today's day, in today's era, just how important that is more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've learned that this work is really important. It always felt important to me from my experiences and, and yet, and through the research, I knew it was an, an issue and really an epidemic, but I, the more I dive into it, the more experiences I have with nurses working on the front lines, the more I know how incredibly important it, this work is and that we should be putting our resources into caring for those who are caring for others. And, and yet there is this like beautiful resiliency that nurses have that is inspiring. And yet it is something that we can teach because not everybody, it's something that I think Again, it's the language where a lot of nurses are, oh, it's just who I am. I'm just, you know, it's what I do. I want to care. And I think that's beautiful and so true. But I also think that the more we develop the language around what we do, the more we can teach this resiliency, the more support we have. We can, when a pan, an epidemic or a pandemic hits, we can put those resources into place immediately so that it's not reactionary and it's, it's already there, the systems in place. And I think... Moving forward, I'm doing different work right now, creating different, I'm creating resiliency moments, which we just piloted with a hospice, a hospice out of Staten Island. And it's bringing artists together to create these one-on-one -on -one experiences for um, nurses and social workers and other healthcare providers, where they have this one-on-one um, -on -one artistic experience that lets them emote and share what they're feeling and what they're dealing with through an artistic means. And I think there is something really important about bringing the arts into this conversation and empowering nurses through the arts to continue this work so that they can also bring it to the bedside. That ultimately this work benefits our patients, which is so important, right? But also for me, the most important is that our nurses are feeling empowered. And so with these resiliency moments, we have the artists doing it, but ultimately the goal is to bring nurses in to create these artistic experiences for other nurses and other healthcare providers it's been really beautiful to see nurses awakening to their artistic selves in different ways and how they're starting to use that support and care for their resiliency. And I think our system has a lot that needs to be looked at. And, and so remembering a lot of self-care and resiliency comes back to the nurse having to do more. And really, I believe we're in a broken system. So as much as I do the work, I'm still in a system that values 12 hour shifts and me just going and only getting 30 minutes for lunch. I'm in a system that values the more I can say that I do and do and do, um, the less I care for myself, it's more applauded, generally speaking. So I think there's a lot we need to do to shift the system in order for nurses and other healthcare providers to thrive. So I work really hard not to put a Band-Aid or to self-soothe when offering self-care initiatives and talks around it, but really that recognizing that we're individuals within a broken system. Hmm. I don't know if that offers much help, much hope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's important that we reality check, of course we, but I, I do think there is a message of hope in that because, you know, you mentioned, first of all, that some of this stuff can be learned or trained or, awakened or opened up within people. And I think that alone is a good message because, you know, some people may think, oh, well, oh, I'm not artistic. You could even say things just blanket like that, which we also know is not true. You can, so it's like, 
just knowing that there are tools, there are skills, there are programs, and that I think most importantly that they're not alone, that there are supports and resources. And are there ways that, for example, frontline staff or nurses can connect to sort of develop a community around building resiliency? Yeah, absolutely. I've been working, just started working with the Colorado Center for Nursing Excellence, which already has a um, large following of nursing leaders within the area and nurses in general. And so I'm going to be bringing COVID stories to their meeting in in August. So if that's something um, where nurses are going to be able to share their stories and create movement. And they have a large network already in place, so I'm excited to partner with them. And the other, you know, when I think about it, the other message for me of hope was that the, the art-based and play-based workshops that we did, we did an IRB study and research around that as well, and it did decrease secondary traumatic stress, and it did decrease burnout, and it increased empathy. So it, it can be taught, and you, you can work on it. And, and again, it's, it's something that takes action from us, which is hard because we're tired. So it's figuring out that balance of how to offer these resources and these workshops to an already hurting, and, population. So, you know, we have compassion fatigue as our, our baseline and now COVID hits. And I'm curious the the language we want to create around where we're at now within this. But there, yeah, I'm really excited about partnering with the Center of Colorado Nursing Excellence to bring this to more nurses across the, the Denver and Colorado area. Wonderful. Well, I think that's a, that's a good highlight to end on. And again, I know we've covered so much ground and I feel like there's more to cover. So, you know, if, if, it, if you'd be interested, maybe at some point down the road, we can have you back to talk more about this. Especially, I'd be really interested in how these workshops for healthcare providers, sort of some of the outcomes around that and just continuing to learn because this is an evolving field and it's more than ever, we need compassion and ways to support, you know, our continued healthy, emotional and spiritual and everything. So yeah, do you have any, any parting words to leave us with or? or... Yeah, I, I guess I just want to thank you, Adam, for this work that you're doing and raising up voices and creating a space for others to share about their research and their work around mental health and mental wellness. I think it's so important. And, and I guess the only last thing would just be to remember to tell the truth about how you feel no matter what. I think that's really important to be honest with yourself about what you're feeling. Okay. Well, Tara, thank you so much again. Listeners, we're going to include some great links so you can learn more about Tara and the clinic and all the amazing work that Tara and her collaborators are working on. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, reactions, we'd love to hear from you uh, about today's episode. And if you like what you heard, please remember to give us a review and share with your friends so uh, we can elevate uh, these voices and these works even more. So thank you again, Tara. Thank you, Adam. Absolutely. And uh, until next time, join us for more interviews on important work on suicide prevention, mental health, and resiliency. Take care, everyone.